Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, fellow travelers, I'm Lori Gottlieb. I'm the author of Maybe You Should Talk to Someone, and I write the Dear Therapist column for The Atlantic. And I'm Guy Winch. I wrote Emotional First Aid, and I write the Dear Guy column for TED. And this is Dear Therapists. This week, a man cares for his ex-girlfriend's dog, and his current partner is concerned about what that means for their relationship. I said, you know, it's really funny. I have never met this person, and I... I'm sorry to use the word hate, but I hate her already because she is in the middle of our relationship. Listen in and maybe learn something about yourself in the process. Hey, just a note before we start. Dear Therapist is for informational purposes only, does not constitute medical advice, and is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician, mental health professional, or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. By submitting a letter, you are agreeing to let iHeartMedia use it in part or in full, and we may edit it for length and or clarity. Hey, Lori. Hey, Guy. So I hear this week's letter has something to do with a dog. It does indeed. Apparently, two is company and a dog makes it a crowd. <laughs> Let me read you the letter. Dear therapists, I started dating a guy a few months ago. In fact, one week before strict quarantine measures. The beautiful part about this lockdown is we talk a lot. Thus, I feel like I've gotten to know him on a deeper level more quickly than I might have otherwise. We have great emotional and physical chemistry. We read together, write together, cook together, great conversations, etc., it's been wonderful. There is, however, an unresolved issue from his past. He takes care of his ex-girlfriend's dog whenever she's out of town. They maintain a close friendship, but because of COVID-19, she's been somewhat willingly stranded in another part of the country, and he's been dog-sitting for almost three months now. Here's the catch. This is the same woman whom he cheated on his ex-wife with over five years ago. As I've learned more about him and their history, I can't seem to get past why they still maintain a close friendship, and I get annoyed at his inability to return the dog. He knows how I feel. I believe the dog represents a connection he subconsciously doesn't want to let go of, and that he's not giving himself time to heal from their breakup, which was only last June, with a one-night stand in October. They were friends before he got married and lost touch, but he described the romantic relationship as toxic. It was on again, off again, she never wanted to commit. She is someone that his friends and family think is bad news. He assures me this person is in his past, but I know that their relationship was intense, passionate, and one in which he was usually hurt or dumped because he didn't want it to end. Although he believes he can still be friends with his ex, 
I'm not so sure. After many serious conversations, he is clear that the dog has to go and has been empathetic to my feelings, but has also asked me what I think he should do regarding their friendship. He knows that I don't want to tell him what to do because I don't want to be the source of blame later on, but I also want it to come from him. Am I reading too much into my feelings about what this dog represents? Sincerely, Amy. So it's really interesting to me, Guy, that this is a letter that centers around a dog because I don't think people realize that dogs come up so much in therapy because of the importance that our pets play in our lives. And then also what happens when there's a breakup and like having a child with somebody, what happens to the animals that were involved even tangentially in that relationship? Dogs are family members for most people. So it's not a simple thing about return the dog. And also if it's COVID, a dog might actually be playing a important role in this guy's life. So I'm not even sure what the level of sacrifice that is in terms of giving up the dog. And I think in this case, the dog is threatening because it represents that tie that this man still has to his ex-girlfriend. And so she wants that tie severed, both the dog to be returned and perhaps the friendship even to be severed. So this is a letter about a dog that's actually not about a dog. Right. He says that he's willing to um, not take care of the dog, but at the same time, he's asking her if he should maintain the friendship. It's almost like he's abdicating responsibility for making that decision himself. Do you ever let dogs come into your sessions? I do. And I'm not that particular about why they have to bring the dog. I just love dogs. And so I allow dogs, uh, cats, not so much because they tend to walk on my desk and spill things. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but dogs and babies, by all means, bring them on. This is Dear Therapists. Thanks for listening. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger, talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Dear Therapist today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash Dear Therapist. This is Neil Strauss host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. 
For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Dear Therapist from iHeartRadio. So let's go talk to Amy. So hi, Amy. Hi, Amy. Great to meet you. Hi, Guy. Hi, Lori. Amy, I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about the relationship. So we met at the gym and then we started talking. So we've been seeing each other for four months now. Yeah, I'm going in five months. Almost. And starting at the beginning of the relationship, did you know about this ex and what were those conversations like? I did not know about the ex. What he did make clear to me at the very beginning and literally in our first conversation was he mentioned his kids like, oh, I have to go do something with my kids. And and so I think he wanted to make it very clear that there was an ex-wife in in his life and he had kids. But the only reason that the ex came up initially was because of the dog hair in his apartment and and the dog. I mean, sorry, never mind the dog here. And there was a dog in his apartment. I said, oh, who's, who's dog in this? And it was like one of those sighs, like, well, this is not my dog, but this is a, a friend's dog. And then it, little by little bits and pieces of information, this friend was actually more than a friend. He's never really called her an ex-girlfriend. I think they've just had this on again, off again relationship. So as time goes by, I always get little snippets of information that come out for whatever reason. Well, for whatever reason is actually important, right? You said he needs to heal. So Mm -hmm. how much has he said about the fact that he was truly heartbroken after this on and again, off again thing was over? You know what? He's very open, but sometimes when we're in a moment, we're having a glass of wine that reflect on our relationship and how much he enjoys our connection. And And I think it's always like, the reference is what he's experiencing now, which he has never experienced before. You said that he hasn't experienced this before. So you're saying not just in that other relationship, but he didn't experience this kind of whatever good feelings that he's having right now and the level of comfort and connection. He didn't experience that in his marriage either. Correct. Correct. Yeah. he's, He's been very, very open about that. He's the type of person that believes in partnership. Last night we were, I, I was going to cook a dinner and he had this radio show that he had to go on. And, and he's like, I'll, you know, I'll just cancel the radio show. I was like, don't cancel it. You, you do your hour show out while I start the cooking. And so after he said, you know, that to me is such a level of partnership, like give and take. So he always reflects on things that he really likes about our relationship that he never had before. And yet there's this feeling that you have a trust issue with him. Correct. And so tell us where that comes from on your end with somebody who's that expressive and and actually saying all those reassuring things, where that comes from for you. Yeah. So, you know, the trust issue. So he said that he, in the past, in order to avoid conflict or in order to avoid an argument, if you were late at work, but you don't avoid a conflict, you said, oh, you know, I had to pick up something at the grocery store, like little lies. He used to tell a lot of little lies. And when he, with with this ex, he was unfaithful. So when someone is open about 
that with you, I think you automatically you're like, you're telling me that you used to lie a lot to avoid conflict. You were unfaithful. And he's talked about openly working on that with a therapist. But for me, it creates a sense of, will this person do it again? You know, if you've cheated once, will you cheat again? You know, if you're used to lying, how how easy is that habit to, to break? Have you actually expressed to him what you just expressed to us, which is that you wonder how that's going to play out between the two of you and while he's working on it individually, how the two of you can create a line of communication that's open around that issue so that you're not wondering whether he's lying about the little things and what can happen in your relationship that can create an environment where not only does he not feel like he has to lie, but that you don't feel like you have to keep checking up on him. Yeah, it's really funny that you say that, Lori, because we talk about trust a lot. Let's just start with the infidelity part. I, I asked him openly, I said, I, I just need to ask you, do you believe that infidelity on any level is okay? He said he'll go out with some of his friends and they all take pictures of the group of them at the restaurant and send it to their wives so that they know that they are in fact with their friends. And I said, oh, that, that just doesn't fly with me. I want to be able to trust you when you go out. If you say you are where you are, I don't want to check up on you. I said, that is not the type of dynamics that I would like to create. So his answer was, absolutely. I don't believe in infidelity. It destroys a relationship. He's like, it's the absolute worst thing you can do in a relationship. He said, because you never regain trust ever. It's out the window. So I feel like that was an important conversation to have. He has also said to me, that in his past, there were only two very significant relationships in his life. One was, was before he was married and the other one was this ex. And he said those two people who he, he's had a really strong bond with, he was never un, unfaithful with. Can you tell us a little bit about your relationship history? Like what, what sure, your experiences sure. have been? I'm 38. I, I, I've had probably four relationships and they all lasted between two and two and three years. When I connect with someone, I I really give it a go or give it my all. I'm not a really casual dater type of person. Has infidelity been a part of your relationships? Never. I told him that if you feel like you want to be unfaithful, we need to have that conversation and maybe we, we shouldn't be in a relationship. How long was he married? Six years. And he's been divorced for just as long. Has he had any other relationships since in the six years that he's been divorced? He's mentioned several people that he's dated. And then inevitably he will say that this other person has sort of been the sort of the demise of the relationship at some point. Like she'll come back in the picture. She reappears. And then he doesn't give that relationship a chance. I mean, I'm definitely the longest relationship that he's had since he's been divorced. You said that in all of the other relationships that (laughs) this other woman would appear and that would be the demise of the relationship because (laughs) she actually has appeared in your relationship in the form of a a dog. Absolutely. And what I said at the beginning, the first few months, I said, you know, it's really funny. I have never met this person, but I hate her already because she is in the middle of our relationship. Is the dog still there? Yes. The ex is going to be temporarily relocating to the other part of the country. And so she has to come back to the city to move out of her apartment. By the end of the month, she has to be out. So he has emphatically said that this 
dog has got to go by the end of the month. You are very clear with him mm-hmm. that the dog bothers you, that he shouldn't have this dog. Mm-hmm. But you also say that you don't want to tell him what to do about the friendship, quote-unquote, with this ex. And I'm struggling to understand what's the difference, really. In other words, it's, it's a big thing to say to someone, you cannot keep this dog, yeah. which he's had for several months. He's basically living alone with the dog. So he might have his own attachment to the dog because you can get very lonely. Oh, absolutely. And dogs are wonderful. Company, yeah. you ask you know, about what the dog represents. The dog represents the ex. Mm-hmm. If you feel comfortable saying to him, this dog shouldn't be here, why don't you feel comfortable saying in your friendship with this woman who keeps reappearing and sabotaging the dates you have, she shouldn't be in the picture either? You know what? I, um, I feel like the dog represents this woman, but I guess you doubt yourself. I think, okay, does this dog represent the woman? Is this dog a connection or am I just totally overanalyzing the situation? Can he have a friendship with this person? I mean, he has mentioned that he's known for 20 something years, but I said, this is not a friend. I said, I don't have sex with my friends. Like this is, this is not a normal friend. You know, there are times when people are friends with their exes and it works out just fine because Mm -hmm. it was relationship. It ended, they transitioned in whatever way to friendship. But the difference here is that this woman has, as he said, led to the demise of every one of his relationships. And that there was also a very unhealthy aspect to the relationship. Yeah. And you're not able to say to him, and I'm not comfortable with this woman with whom you have a very complicated, unresolved sexual relationship. Yeah. You know what? I guess I feel like if I say, sorry, you can't do that. I don't want him to think that he has to hide it if he wants to be friends with her anyway, because he thinks he can be friends with her. I've tried to make suggestions based on what I've read, saying things like I've read that there's things that you can do like unfollowing on social media. But Amy, that's so indirect. One of the things that I think he really appreciates about this relationship, and I think you do too, is how open you're able to be with each other, even though there is this underlying trust issue. Why not ask him what this friendship means to him and why he wants to continue this friendship and how he imagines it will impact this relationship? Have you ever had that conversation with him? I I have. His answer has has been, I'm friendly with, with all of my exes in the sense that I can wish them a happy birthday, but... I'm friends with all of my exes. I said, here's the difference. I don't write them on a weekly basis. I don't keep their animals for them when they leave on a, on a trip. The problem with this specific ex is mm-hmm. she comes across like the bad friends you don't want your kids hanging around with because she's a bad influence. She's the one that all of his friends <laughs> think is no good. She's the one that whenever she comes back, he's not able to withstand for some reason her charms and ends up sleeping with her again. Even after they supposedly break up from what wasn't a relationship, then in October they sleep with each other again. In other words, he seems to not have a great line of defense with this lady. And I think that's the concern that you have about her. What happens the next time she circles around to see what's what. This is not about staying in touch with an ex. An ex that keeps it's on and it's off and it's on and it's off. And it sounds like at her bidding, It's a reflection on his uh, feelings or his inability to say no to her. Mm -hmm. Have you expressed that to him? 
You know, I don't think I have expressed as what you just said, that maybe you're vulnerable when she comes around Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. you, I know, but this sounds so funny. You just can't control yourself. Okay. So this is something important that I did share with him. My most significant ex, who is the person that I thought I was going to marry, we dated for, for three years. Then he ended up ending the relationship and he would keep in touch. And if we were traveling in the same city or something like that, we would hook up. And, and it started getting un- unhealthy because I always wanted to, to be with him. So I started being hopeful and, and I would always get hurt. So this went on for several years. And I, I realized that this person was keeping me from meeting other people. Mr. Dream Man, whatever, could have walked right in front of me and I wouldn't have even seen him. So I shared that story with him and I told him, I need to tell you how I handled this situation because it was one of the most difficult things that I have ever done. The last time we we saw each other, which was a couple of years ago, we had a great time, but then he started giving me the cold shoulder. I wanted more. And I texted him and I said, please do not ever contact me again. And not even five minutes had passed when I said that. And I started texting him. What I meant by... Um, what I meant by, um, (laughs) please do not was please do not write to me in a sexual way anymore. And I started making excuses for myself Mm. and it was like, well, because you didn't, it was like, you said, I'm going to quit the drug. Yes. Wait, just give me a little fix to keep in my closet. Just in case. Yeah, Just in case. I I was like, oh my God, this, this is like a drug. I said, I'm done. I am done. And we never spoke again. And I said, I, you have no idea how difficult that was for me to do and how empowering, but also I didn't realize how much it was really hurting me. So how did he respond, Amy? Because yes, you like teed it right up. He was like someone that was hit over, like hit over the head with a bat. He was like, okay, I get it. And he'll say things like that. I guess I want him to say, I've unfollowed her. I've deleted her. I've done it without me giving an ultimatum. Because I think you're also afraid that he will resort to the white lying about it and she'll text him and then he'll just, no, it was just at the grocery store and here's a picture of me with my friends in the restaurant. Right. Right. Exactly. I think the difficulty here is that you're asking somebody to basically get off his drug. And what I think you're struggling with is that you feel like, well, I can tell him to, you know, quit the drugs, but... If he's not ready, it's still an addiction and he's still going to find a way to, you know. And so that's the conversation. It's nice that you told him about your experience because it's very relatable. But at the same time, it it wasn't a direct request. You're almost trying to be his therapist. Like, let me give you all these resources. Let me (laughs) tell you all these ways to do it. But but like you said in your letter, he has to want to do it. When people are addicted to something, there's a whole process these stages of change and readiness. And he may really, really enjoy your relationship, but he may also still be tied to this addiction. Mm -hmm. It's easy to give up the dog, by the way. I'm not saying that he's not going to experience some loss giving up the dog, but she will find a way to insinuate herself into his life, dog or no dog. So Mm -hmm. I don't think he's worried that she's going to disappear if he gives back the dog. Oh, no. It's the friendship. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah. and friendship, we're using that term very loosely. Very. Yeah. Uh, 
Amy, how close has he come to admitting one way or the other that it is a drug, that she is addictive, that he is vulnerable to her? Never. I mean, I just associate the pattern, the the, the behavior. I, I feel like we have these cathartic experience. Like I've said, he, he does this all the time. He'll He'll really reflect on a moment. He's like, wow, something I love about us and what, what we do. But a lot of times he'll he'll compliment it with an explanation or a comparison of why that wasn't working in the other relationship. And I'm really kind of tired of hearing it. I need this person to just not be mentioned in this relationship again. No, but that is that that is the thing, right? Because if he just said, wow, it's so great with you, I mm-hmm. have such a great time. I feel so great with you. Mm-hmm. Fine. But I feel so great with you. And I didn't feel that way with the drug. And, you know, you also, our conversations are so this and this. And my conversations with the drug weren't like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not nice that I'm calling her the drug, but just for right. the sake of reference. Um, and, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but, but I can certainly understand, like, can we just keep it about me, please? And you say she keeps insinuating herself. But. She does, but he's doing the insinuating of her. And I'm not sure that he's aware of how much this is embedded in in so much text and subtext. Well, she lives inside him in so many ways. So if he's making those comparisons, that means that a lot of the time Mm -hmm. she's sitting there on his shoulder and Mm -hmm. he's making those comparisons. There's so many parallels between your relationship with your ex, your current relationship with this boyfriend and his relationship with his drug. Yeah. I think at the heart of all of this is that we think that if we give an ultimatum that somehow, right, that that's going to change the way the person feels. It might change the way they behave. Right. But I think the big question is, what does it mean to be loved? And what does it mean to love? And I think there's a lot of confusion when there's that addictive aspect to a relationship. Have you thought through how the handoff goes? Because he will have to see her. Mm -hmm. Have you had any conversations with him or have you thought through how that handoff of the dog should go? You know, I've thought about whether I I should be there, whether I shouldn't be mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. Some days I want to be there because I want her to see me. And then other days I think, you know what, you're a mature adult. And if you want to be in this relationship, I trust that you're going to handle this correctly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not really sure, to be honest with you. When we talk about that question of his friendship with her, does he always default to you and say, what do you think I should do? Or does he have any thoughts of his own? What's funny is he separates the two. He says, we didn't work as a relationship, so now we're friends. But then when maybe if we have a discussion over the dog, he'll say, yeah, okay, I see that this is coming in between us. So he's never said, I see this makes you really uncomfortable. And so I'll set a boundary with this woman. He has. And the boundary is he doesn't reach out. He doesn't send her photos of the dog. Like well, he the, always... the, that's, a, that's a boundary that she doesn't know about. Co- oh, correct. Okay. <laughs> so you know what? I don't know. I know that he told her he's seen someone. Do you know what her reaction was to, to his telling her that he's seen someone? He said that she was uh, happy for him. And he has said, he's like, you know what? If she met someone, I would be happy for her. I think part of the reason that 
it's hard to trust him is because I, I don't know that he tells himself the truth mm -hmm. because he makes these comparisons constantly around what this relationship is like compared to what wasn't working in the other relationship, almost as, as a way to help him not go back to the drug. Like to almost talk himself through, wait, this is really good. Don't screw this up. I'm really yeah. enjoying this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He spoke to his sister about me and she was really excited, really happy. And that was her reaction. Like, don't mess this up. And he got a little annoyed. So I think that the problem with this question of honesty is that I don't know that he's ready to be honest with himself. So it's going to be hard to be honest with you too. So we have some advice for you. You haven't yet taken a clear stand. And in part, we think because it puts him to the test, puts his intentions and his love for you to the test. And there's something scary about that. And so it, you're hoping it will happen spontaneously. So you're hinting, you're talking about the dog rather than about her. And we think you should put it to the test in that way. You have all kinds of good reasons for it to bother you in your history, in terms of his history, what's going on. And so you're fully justified in actually addressing it directly and head on. And we also think that there's a very natural opportunity for you to do so. So I'm going to pass it on to Laurie and she'll tell you exactly what we're suggesting. Okay. Amy, one of the things that I was thinking about was that you're 38 and you've been in several long-term relationships that have not worked out. Mm -hmm. And you, you actually talked about almost as a positive thing that you stay the course, you stay in there um, <laughs> in these relationships, right? It's a lot of time. It's a lot yeah. of time. Yeah. And so we want to make sure that you're not going to spend two or three years in a relationship with something that doesn't work. Yeah. So that you can find out more about that now, earlier on. And if it's not going to work, then you can find somebody who's more appropriate for you. And if it is going to work, then great. Yeah. And so instead of talking about it in terms of an ultimatum, we're talking more about what would happen if you went to him and said, you've had a very on again, off again volatile, complicated relationship with this person. She comes up a lot in our conversations. I get compared to her a lot. I know you have a lot of feelings there still. I know you say you're friends, but it just makes me feel like you're not as present with me. And it brings up some trust issues with me as well. And so what I would like for me in this relationship is for you to write to her before the dog is returned and to let her know that you're in a new relationship. You really want to focus on that new relationship and that you can't be in contact with her so that she knows that before she sees you to return the dog. And then when the dog is returned, I would like to be there so that I feel comfortable with whatever that interaction is because I do want to trust you, but the truth is I don't totally trust you yet. That's just because of your history and because I know what it's like to have this kind of addiction to a person. Mm -hmm. And so I would feel more comfortable being there. Now, you're not saying to him, and then I will break up with you if you don't <laughs> do this. You're saying, this is what I need, and I'm letting you know what I need. 
and you're going to see how responsive he is to your needs. And you'll say to him, I want you to let me know before the dog is returned, whether this is something that you've decided to do or you've decided not to do. Or rather, I want you to let me know before the dog is returned, whether you're willing to write that letter and whether you can do it before the dog is returned. Okay. So that she has the heads up. So she Mm -hmm. understands that the receiving of her dog back is also the ending of the friendship. Mm. And then, Amy, the important part is you're not saying, and then I will leave. Mm -hmm. What you're saying is, this is what I need, and I'm being very clear about my needs in this relationship. Then it is not his decision, but it is your decision, Amy, about what to do if he chooses to ignore your needs. And you can make whatever choice you want, but I hope that it's not going to take two years or three years for you to make that choice. We would love for you to tell us about how that conversation went, Mm -hmm. how and when he told you what his decision was, whether Mm -hmm. you did see the letter and what that was like, and how the handoff of the dog went. So there are a lot of different elements there. We would love to hear about all of them. Got it. Okay. Well, thank you, Amy. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, we're, we're very excited to hear how it goes. So, <laughs> so am I. <laughs> okay. We look forward to hearing back from you. Thanks so much, Guy and Lori. Appreciate it. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. So I really like talking to Amy and I'm excited to hear what she does. I think the one thing that she's going to have to grapple with is getting over the hump of, and what if I lose the relationship, which is hard to do, especially during COVID. But I'm very excited to hear how that conversation goes and what that shows her, not so much about him, but about herself and her ability to really speak up in a relationship. And I think having the experience of doing that will really serve her going forward, whether it's with this guy or not. This is Dear Therapist, and we'll be back after a short break. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step, and you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because, God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. 
Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Lori Gottlieb. And I'm Guy Winch, and you're listening to Dear Therapists. So Guy, we heard back from Amy. Oh, let's hear what she had to say, because she had a lot to do. Hi, Lori and Guy. I just wanted to follow up with my homework. My plan was to talk with him in person about the letter and why I felt he needed to write it and, and why it was important. But I hadn't had the opportunity to see him because of work. And on Monday evening, the ex wrote and said, Hey, I'm coming into town and I'm, I'm leaving Wednesday. He said, perfect. Will you come and get the dog on Tuesday? I'll leave all of the dog's things by the door. And he said, let yourself in. I didn't know that she still had a key. I knew nothing about this yet, but we had plans to see each other Tuesday evening. So on Tuesday evening, when he came to see me, that's when this all came to light. Wednesday morning, I received a text message from him and said, the dog is gone, but you're not going to believe what happened. I thought to myself, oh, try me. (laughs) So he said, Tuesday evening, he went home. The dog was still there. He contacted her and said, what happened? Why didn't you come and get the dog? She made an excuse and said, listen, I'm really busy. I'm trying to pack out the apartment and I'm leaving tomorrow morning. So I really don't have time to come and get the dog. By now it was 11 o'clock at night. He said, I'm coming to drop off the dog. He got in his car, went and dropped off the dog. She basically had no plans to come and get it. He did tell me that he was a little concerned because he cares for the dog So he said, hey, what are you going to do with the dog? She just seemed to be very disinterested in who kept the dog or the dog's well-being. She was angry that he returned the dog. So she said to him, well, you were plan A, so now I'm moving to plan B. My ex-husband has decided to take the dog and then plan C was to have another ex-partner take the dog. I think it was what he needed to hear to be like, I've just been used. I felt like he had a just a, a moment of, of clarity. He looked relieved, like this weight was lifted off his shoulders. I felt relieved about how, how everything transpired, but I still felt like I had to talk about the letter and things got a little bit uncomfortable. I'm I'm not going to lie. It was a really difficult conversation. He said, well, I never expected this from you. I never thought that you would be the person that would ask me to end a friendship. I said, look, I, I need you to understand why this is important to me. I feel like this is a risk for me if you're not clear in that this person is no longer a part of your life because I don't want to find out six months down the road that you do in fact want to be with this person. He listened, he he heard me out, he understood, and he said, I understand, I'm going to write the letter. He wrote a letter, he did it, he sent it, and he told me that he didn't hear back from her. 
and said that if he did hear back from her, he would, he would let me know. So that's what happened. So I guess we will see where this takes us. I think this really bodes well for them because when she went to him and told him how she felt, even if the sequence of events didn't happen as she had planned, when the ex-girlfriend did not pick up the dog, he made a bold move. He went and drove the dog to her. He said, I'm, I'm not going to take care of your dog anymore. And, and I thought that was a real show of support for how she was feeling. And then, of course, when she asked for the letter, he ended up sending that letter. And so I think this is a really good start to establishing trust around this issue. I agree. I think this was great for Amy because this was clearly uncomfortable for her to do. I hope she told him that she appreciated what he did, that it was meaningful to her, because he did quite a bunch of stuff. And she really advocated for herself. She stood up for herself. She was clear with herself and with him about what she needed. And I think that he got something out of this too, which is he got some clarity when he saw when he wasn't going to take the dog, that he was just one of many who was being asked to do this thing for her. So I think there was a moment of clarity for him that maybe he harbored this fantasy that he was still special to her. And now he was saying, wait a minute, I'm seeing who I am to her much more clearly. And how loyal she is to people, including dogs. <laughs> yeah, I think they're both going to benefit. It, it really bodes well for a couple when you can go to somebody and say, here's something that I'm uncomfortable with and that the person is responsive to you. It also establishes a precedent for them that when something is uncomfortable, we're going to raise it, we're going to talk about it, and we're going to resolve it as a great precedent to take forward into a relationship. That brings us to the end of our show for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can follow us both online. I'm at lauriegottlieb.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at lauriegottlieb1, or on Instagram at lauriegottlieb underscore author. And I'm at guywinch.com. I'm on Twitter and on Instagram at guywinch. If you have a dilemma you'd like to discuss with us, big or small, email us at laurieandguy at iheartmedia.com. Our executive producer is Christopher Hasiotis. We're produced and edited by Mike Johns. Special thanks to Samuel Benefield and to our podcast fairy godmother, Katie Couric. And next time on Dear Therapists, an adopted woman forms a close relationship with her biological father, but then a DNA test reveals a shocking surprise. Growing up, it was super important to me to have the answers as to who my biological parents were. So it was pretty devastating when the person who was supposed to be my father wasn't my father and I had another father out there somewhere. Dear Therapist is a production of iHeartRadio. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com.
Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.